Welcome to the Concordia Publishing House podcast, where we consider everything in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. The storms of life, and there are certainly no lack of them, can leave us feeling battered and weary. But as Deb Burma will assure us today, we have a sure and certain refuge in every storm. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. Thanks to our friends at the LCMS Foundation for their support of our podcast. Deb, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I think I, I think I say this every time. Joining you as a guest on your podcast is just, it's, it's beautiful. It's lovely for me. I love joining you and oh, so many good things that we get to talk about right here. Thank you. You're welcome. It's always fun to have you on. I know our listeners are fans and, and always enjoy hearing what you have to say. And we have a new topic today for you uh, later in June. Your new Bible study comes out. It's called Be Still and Know, Jesus, Our Refuge in the Storm. And so that's going to be our jumping off point for our conversation. I so love it. I love it. Well, it's, it's exciting to see the new study coming out um, and there, there's just so much there. And I think it's so relevant for how people are feeling today. So we've, we've been, we've been tossed around a lot and I think there's a lot of weariness. Wearied, weak, uh, struggling in the storm. I, I uh, you know, as God led me to this and really at this point now, some time ago, um, the storm imagery would not leave me alone. And of course, you know how that is when you zoom in on a word or a word picture, suddenly you feel like you start hearing it everywhere. Were you already hearing it and just not paying attention? Or <laughs> as God would have it in his timing, would that be something you just, just start to hear a lot in the context of so much of what people are facing? Uh, really storm imagery storms of nature and how often storms of life imitate in, in some fashion, a storm of nature, how, oh, the storms that we see coming and we prepare and we batten down the hatches and the storms that hit us unaware, that come at us. Uh, they, they've brewed quickly and they're blowing over us and we're knocked over by them. The imagery of storm is something that happens so much across scripture, as God knows, and so beautifully and uh, continually relates the, the physical things of life to our spiritual walk, to our, our, our walk with Christ as believers, as followers of Jesus. Um, in this sin-ridden world, we face storm upon storm. and. That's the context that we find ourselves in. The title of the book, Be Still and Know, comes from Psalm 46. It's verse 10, really the, the pinnacle of the psalm, if you will, that's all about storm imagery. Uh, the psalm begins, God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in trouble. And then in the verses that follow, we see storms of nature, storms of nations, the turmoil, the tumult. And again, at the pinnacle, we, you know, in the midst of the storm, we can respond with the psalmist 
hearing as God speak to us, be still, be still and know that I am God. Right in the midst of our storm, whatever we face, wherever we are. And that is the beautiful, you know, it's not only relevant to us in whatever storm we face, but it's even in context where the psalmist has taken us. So um, what a timely piece. And maybe as always, because when when are we not at, in some season of life facing a storm? And globally, as we've all faced this pandemic, this global COVID-19 storm and, and more. There, there is no lack of storms um, to challenge us on a daily basis. Is there a storm in your own life that it has had a significant impact on you? Oh, how, do you, how long do you have? Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I am um, I am so like every one of our listeners in that I've shared uh, my my share of storms. I've I've faced my share of storms rather, and uh, haven't we all on some level of another? Whether it is a storm of sickness, a crisis in relationship, a um, a stormy season of life in decision making in uh, sudden doors closing and unexpectedly. Storms take so many different forms, Elizabeth. And that's a great question. While I could look at at, uh, a variety of different storms, the one that comes to mind as I think about what has impacted my, my life today and even my writing and what God has led me to personally and professionally, it would be this storm that my husband and I and my three small children faced quite unawares when my husband, after 10 years of marriage and 11 years in the corporate world, said, honey, I think we're headed to the seminary. And right there, as he said this under the darkness of night, I think for fear of bringing it up to his wife, who was uh, a quite panicky in the moment, um, as we face the days and the weeks ahead, recognizing what that might look like, ending a career, root, uh, uprooting a family, uh, moving, finding ourselves in uh, what might have seemed an adventurous storm. Some storms are just, they're a flurry and scurry of activity. But we had a lot of unexpecteds happen upon arrival to the seminary and uh, one one mini storm after another that had us both guessing, are we supposed to even be here? Or is the evil one putting all kinds of potential roadblocks in front of us, keeping us from doing what God would have us do? So it was, it was a, certainly a stormy season and a time that had us both questioning purpose, direction. We certainly felt weak. We were weary quite often. And then he did some incredible, amazing, beautiful things through it. I look back now with incredible fondness to our seminary years, all that he was teaching both of us. The fact that that was when I began taking classes in doctrine and writing on the side as my husband was training to become a pastor. As God opened doors that uh, and took us in a direction that I don't believe we would have gone had it not been for that storm. And that's the 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 uh, the larger, the smaller, the mix of them. Storms don't often stand alone; they come in little cluster storms. And uh, that, while it wasn't as big a storm as some that I faced, it was one that continues 
to be impactful that I thank the Lord for, that he allowed it, how we grew through it. When we, when our house wouldn't sell back home and we're wondering where the next meal is going to come from, when the place we moved to sight unseen was a wreck and the night we moved in, uh, our bed collapsed on us and cocooned us in repeatedly. These are stories for another day. But I remember as we laughed and then cried together, my husband and I wondered, what kind of storm are we sitting in? And I'd really like to be on safe shore right now. But I think we're, we're, we're right here in the waves. And that's where God would have us because he's doing something. He's absolutely at work in, in those storms. And it's, it's neat to see how he'll even use the storms to refine us and to lead us into something that he's going to use for his will. And it's, we can't see it when they're in the midst of it. And we just have to trust that he's going to lead us through. Um, yes. So it, you, you speak to women in this study. I mean, men have their storms as well, but tell us a little bit about, we all have our storms. We have things in common and, we have things in common with the women of scripture as well. What are some of these things that we have in common as we're facing life storms? Oh, what a great question. You know, at the, I could be like waiting to give you the aha answer, but we're going to start there. We're going to start with the aha. And guess what? The women of Jesus day, those he encountered, those whose lives he stepped right into in the midst of their storm, that's the same Jesus who meets us today in our storm. He meets us right where we are. He comes to us. And the answer, every woman, then, today, and always, we need Jesus. We desperately need him to come to us, to be our refuge in the middle of a storm as we're facing it, uh, on the backside of it whatever our storm looks like. So we walk across scripture. Uh, the, the first chapter of Be Still and Know is really an overview with Jesus and his disciples in the boat in a stormy sea as we look at a, a smattering of stormy situations. And then in sessions two through eight, we take one um, topic at a time as we look at one woman uh, from the gospels for each chapter and look at each storm uniquely individually as Jesus comes to her she meets him with a with a with a cry with a request in a way that she is facing a storm and and yet and he answers meets her as a, her, her refuge in more ways than she can even imagine in more ways than she initially comes to him so for what reason and what kind of storms were they facing what storms do we face what do we have in common hey guess what Storms of sickness. The, uh, the the diagnoses, the chronic illness, the disease, we, our loved ones, sickness is something that we face. Very real, very physical in our world, as in Jesus' day. And that's one specific place we take as we encounter the, the woman who had been uh, bleeding and uncontrolled discharge for 12 years. So I, I won't go any further than that, but that to say, there's an example, something she needed, we need, and our refuge who meets us right where we are in our storm of sickness. We all, Elizabeth, at the root of it all, 
face the storm of sin day in and day out. We are at the same time both sinner and saint, redeemed in Christ, but also daily facing our struggles with sin. So we go there. Uh, We talk about the storms of shame, maybe something from our past that we still just have not unpacked or been willing to resolve. Storm of sadness. Our self-imposed storms of scurry. You can imagine we might find ourselves in the home of Martha and Mary. Self-imposed storms of scurry. (laughs) There's some alliteration for you. There's something I could work with here. Okay. Just Um, making a note, listeners. It's all good. (laughs) Yes. Okay. She's making personal notes here. We'll we'll, uh, we'll get into that at some point. Um, You know, who at this point listening has not been able to relate with at least one of these? Sin, shame, sickness, scurry, sadness. Uh, then there's the uh, the storm of self, of selfishness. Ouch. In our sin specifically, we encounter that storm and the impact that that, uh, it's a, another storm of, of that's really self-imposed. The, the me first, the entitlement, the looking out for number one, ouch. That's a storm that we face in our sin. Uh, storms of sorrow. So this, if this just gives you an idea, these are on many different levels. Um, what we face, what women then faced, and the beauty of what we have in the Gospels as Jesus is the fulfillment of all scripture, is he, as he is certainly the fulfillment of Psalm 46, the one who is our refuge, our strength, our very present help in every storm, in every trouble. This is Jesus. This is our Savior who meets us. He meets us right where he met every woman in the storm. So there's going to come a day where our earthly storms are over. And listeners, if you can imagine a time where your God-given gifts are able to benefit your family and your faith after you've been called home to heaven away from the storms of our earthly existence, the LCMS Foundation can help. They'll help you create a gift plan so that your assets will leave a lasting impact on those people that you love and the ministries that you care about the most. Learn about creating a gift plan at lfnd.org. That's going to be a fantastic day when we we reach the point where we see God face to face and our earthly storms are no more. But while we wait for that day, you know, we, Jesus, you shared Jesus meets us in the storm. What are some of the specific ways that he comes down and gets into the pit with us to offer us that rest and refuge? Hmm. What specific ways does he meet us as our refuge? Sometimes what that looks like, is he, he, he joins us in the pit. He holds us. The storm around us may continue to rage, but he's cl- holding us close. And as our refuge, he's providing rest. The opportunity to rest in his arms, in his care, even if the circumstances around us have not stopped blowing and, uh, and storming, quite literally. He is our rest. He is our rescue. Maybe the way he meets us as our refuge by, you know, in his perfect will and his knowledge of what we need that's, you know, incomparably greater than what we know we need. 
um, that might be that he rescues us from it or reminds us that he is um, all we need, that he is our sufficiency right there in the midst of the storm. So our rest, our rescue, he is certainly at the, at the center of it all. He is our redeemer. He provides redemption by his blood, one for us at the cross, the place he took in our place, taking on all of our sins, taking our death, <clears throat> excuse me, dying in our place right there on Calvary's Hill. So our redemption and the fact that he didn't stay on that cross three days later in the resurrection. Do you realize that your refuge is the one who is your redeemer, the redemption? He is also the resurrection. He said to Martha in her storm of sadness, which we'll go back to Mary and Martha at the death of Lazarus, when even before he raises Lazarus, in her storm of sadness, she comes to him and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But she goes on to give this great statement of faith, of knowing that he is the Savior. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So he, he meets us as our refuge with the reminder that he's the resurrection. He is our redemption. And it might be that in the middle of our storm of scurry, that he gives us redirection. Maybe refuge looks like redirection, reminders that we desperately need of what's most important. As he, Maybe it's that, that as he redirects us, he also reassures us. So this for me was um, very fulfilling as I was writing this to recognize the many ways that he is our refuge, as rescuer, as the one who gives us rest, as redeemer, and yes, as I said, maybe it's about redirection. Maybe it's about restoration in relationships with one another, even as he perfectly restores our relationship with God that was broken by our sin. So yes, our refuge takes on many, many detailed and specific ways that he meets us as our refuge based on the specificity of our storm. It seems to me that it's important for us to rest in our identity as children of God. Yes. And to understand how that affects our callings in life. How, how do those ideas of identity and calling give us, um, you know, the endurance and the, the oomph to press on, you know, get out our, our, metaphorical umbrella and, and, you know, work our way through the storms that are coming our way. Beautiful. You know, like we're, we're, we're walking we're headlong into headlong. the wind. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're literally weathering the storm. Uh, yeah. Umbrella forward because that blast is coming at us. And, you know, I, I share so many storm stories and word pictures throughout as they relate to each place. But as we consider uh, you know, storms that take our breath away, and yet we're called to walk in them. We're, we're sailing headlong into it because um, either, either <laughs> we're charted on a course that uh, there's no going back now, or we unexpectedly find ourselves in a storm that has suddenly brewed. Whatever the case, the beauty that comes in knowing our identity, in recognizing that who we are is a child of God in Christ Jesus, 
and knowing that our calling ultimately is in loving God and loving others. And what that looks like as we as we wrap that around our vocations, the various hats that we wear, always goes back to our identity in Christ. And uh, as his child, ever in his care, that he is our strength when we are weak, that he is the help in the time of trouble. Again, going back to Psalm 46, verse 1, the refuge who is also the strength. He never leaves us. He is ever present. And he is the help. That whatever that storm looks like, and no matter how strongly the wind blow, blows in our face, keeping going back to the focus of, I am his child. He's called me to purpose. And in combination with the open doors of opportunity, in connection with the relationship and opportunities he puts in our lives, uh, it, wearing those various vocational hats, even in the toughest of times, I can know that my purpose is in him. And that because he's my refuge, because all these things I know to be true, I'm not in it alone. I'm not somehow operating in my own strength. And uh, no storm will blow me away from his care, from his purpose. Thy will be done. May it be done in my life and yours. Amen. What part of the book challenged you the most as you were writing it? Oh, I think she's trying to stump me now. Hmm. What challenged me the most as I was attempting to write it? I'll tell you what, I think it was the fact that I was contracted, you know, gave the idea to CPH in 2019. And there were, there were many reasons that this was what I wanted to bring to the table. Bringing this to CPH uh, signing a contract in late 2019, working on, you know, writing and the overview and the outlines and really moving into that and the pandemic hit. And I can recall saying to you, Elizabeth, in the middle of it, uh, using the word slogging, that the words were coming slowly as in many of our tasks, we were slogging through our days. Life was disrupted at least and uh, stormy. How many times can I say stormy? That's putting it lightly, right? As, uh, as I continued to write and I thought, wow, we are living in an, a, an unprecedented time. And this looks stormy on so many levels that I until now couldn't have even spoken into. So yes, a challenge, a challenge I had not expected. Uh, I've had so many folks say to me already, wow, be still and know you must have been led to write this because of the pandemic storm. And, you know, I need this. In fact, I'm just going to take this back a step. You ask me a challenging question. I'll just add to it. Uh, going backwards a step, you know, why did I feel um, inspired? What, why, what do I believe, you know, as God led me in, in this timing, at this time, not just in, in my life, but in the lives of the women I minister a, a among and in our world. Why, why this? Why this topic right now? And I would tell you that uh, almost all of my writing begins uh, in face-to-face -face ministry. It begins in women's ministry that, is, that looks like a, a weekend retreat away. 
that looks like conferences and special sessions. And I originally wrote the first pieces for Be Still and Know, yes, just prior to the pandemic storm for a retreat. And I remember that as I was preparing the first of these materials, women were coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, I need this. Did you, are you writing this just for me? Oh, how I need it. You know, and for many of us, the be still and know, the first time we hear that phrase, it's because life is crazy busy and, and life is so full and we're stretched thin and we need rest and respite from that craziness. We recognize it, but we find it hard to, to let it happen, to make room for it. And we need to hear a good word from God. We need more than just physical rest. We need the rest. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier so many of the ways that Jesus is our refuge. We need renewal. We need refreshment. We need redirection. We need so much of this, and we find it only in him. So this was a pivotal topic for me when I was really seeking to lean in and listen well to the needs women were telling me. So all of this prior to the pandemic storm, some, a storm that every single person would share. Yes, it looked unique and still looks unique for each of us, depending on our own circumstances, personally, relationally, professionally, but we're all in this storm. It has disrupted and, and, and shaken our lives in many different levels. So the challenge was writing this before and during through a pandemic, knowing that many days, yeah, that slogging, I'm going to go back to that word, because I believe God, God really worked some, the, the most aha moments I felt were also the most challenging. And I would break down in tears as I'm writing and the words are flowing or not flowing, but I'm recognizing the depth of need for this topic right now. What was one of those aha moments? Oh, oh, you are just continuing to challenge me. No, of course. <laughs> there were so many. Um, I'm writing in the middle of one of my favorite chapters was one I've referenced already. And that is the storm of sadness. And sadness comes upon us for so many reasons. In the case of Mary and Martha, they have, uh, you know, they've reached out to Jesus to come heal their brother who's, who is failing. And Jesus intentionally holds off for the purpose he has. And I remember thinking, oh, this just feels, Lord, come quickly. Why is this, you know, why are we sitting in this storm? And why are the words not coming? Or why? Is, does the struggle look like this right now? I can't understand. Where are you, Lord? And, and I'm, I'm crying out and thinking, this is what both Mary and Martha said, each from their own perspective. And, you know, each of them, uh, if you look carefully at John chapter 11, Martha runs out to meet Jesus first. Later, Mary comes. And so at separate times, they say the very same thing. And Jesus' response and how he is their refuge is different for each of them because he knows them from the inside out, just as he knows everything about each of us. He knew what Martha was struggling with and what Mary was struggling with. And I was overwhelmed in this aha of that's how uniquely, individually, and personally he knows Elizabeth's needs, Deb's needs, every listener's needs. 
that he responds to Martha with this the beautiful words of I am the resurrection and the life. And, and he has this dialogue with her and and she makes this great statement of faith, even though he has not yet raised Lazarus and he doesn't re- she doesn't realize yet he's going to raise him right here today. What does Jesus do when Mary runs out? He cries with her. She needed somebody to cry with her. And he met me right there and what my need was. And, you know, he didn't come a moment too soon or a moment too late. So as I was going, Lord, we started this pandemic thinking we're going to wear masks and distance for a few weeks. Wait a minute. I'm still writing this book and it's months later (laughs) and we're still doing this thing. And, and we're looking at the devastation around us for so many folks. And, um, And yet Jesus didn't come too late or too soon for Mary and Martha and for Lazarus. He came at just the right time. And the truth was he knew their hearts every step of the way. And his his purpose was greater than their immediate need. May we remember that in this storm or any storm. He meets us there. He knows our need, but he knows the greater need. He knows the long haul. I'm looking at it right here, right now and saying, fix this, Lord, in the way that I think you ought. But, you know, Isaiah reminds us that the Lord's ways are higher and incomparably better than ours. And they're, they're, not, they're not our ways. Do I believe and trust that he knows better, even if his timing doesn't look like what I want it to be? Yeah. So there was a big aha. I hope it's maybe given a listener out there a little aha right now, too. It's, it's a very big aha, and it's, it's a good reminder that our timing is not his, and his is infinitely better than ours will ever be. And, but it's, it can be hard to trust. It can be hard to lean into that and, and rest our confidence in that. So on the flip side, where did you have the most fun as you wrote the book? <laughs> uh, so I am the author of a chocolate-themed book and a coffee house themed book. And, you know, I dabble in shoes and jewelry. And uh, that sounds so light and fluffy. But as listeners who've read my work know, we don't stay there. But I love to work in word pictures. I love to work in drawing analogy. I love the parables because Jesus used things that people could relate to. Everyday things like wheat and sheep and wine, and and so on. Uh, Jesus meets people right where they are and helps them recognize deeper truths with the things that are right in front of them. And we all face physical storms. We live in a very physical, material world. And storms um, are something that I I had a lot of fun with the word picture. As we talk about Uh, being, you know, swept away, off course, brewing and blowing, the calm following the storm. Uh, I've I've tapped into friends who are, uh, one in particular, who's just uh, a master of all things boat craft. And he could give me so many word pictures of what it's like to sail, you know, on the the lee side and the... so many amazing sailing terms as well as storm terms that help us relate one to another. So that was really fun. I love 
placing those together in a way that helps the reader go, aha. Well, and I think you also have fun with alliteration because you can tell that you're having fun. You can see your grin as you're doing it. And it just, that, that comes through on every page where the reader knows that you're passionate about the message that you're conveying, but you're also willing to do it with a, with a grin in a way that helps us remember. It, it definitely sinks in and helps, helps us remember. Well, thank you for speaking into that uh, because I love alliteration and it's a tool that has helped me so much over the years with certainly memorization, but uh, the, just the, the flow and the beauty of that, that actually that helps something to be more readable. That said, we all have to be mindful of the, the, the overuse or potential overuse of any literary tool. And that includes, ah, much to my pain, alliteration. However, you may have noticed, I, I, I dare say, I know Elizabeth has noticed, that the, the fill in the blank, if you will, of the ways that Christ is our refuge comes in all of these things that start with a letter R. I didn't make it up that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is our redeemer. It just All of your storm started with S too, by the way. So you have, a nice pair, you have a nice balance there. <laughs> R and S. So, uh, but you know, it helps me. Uh, I've, you know, I think of some of the reading I've done where I'm like, you know, these, I want to remember these key eight things. And there's a point where we can stretch something to where it doesn't even make sense because we're trying too hard to match a word. But when it works, it really works. Have you seen a shift in your writing, your approach to writing since you started to now? Because you've written quite a few studies quite a few devotionals. Have you seen a change? Yes and no. And it depends on what, how I tackle that question. Yes, in that I used to sit down and do a lot more of the devotional writing, taking the story and, and bringing, you know, and then going right to the law, the gospel and the aha that comes from that. And even then maybe challenging the reader with a, a take-home go-to in response to the gospel message. And I still love that writing. But I have found that as I have continued to write, I've desired that there's both the devotional quality and maybe a what I would call a lighter Bible study aspect. And then the let's dig even deeper. Let's do our research. Let's look into the, the Greek backdrop behind this so that we can... Uh, unpack even further the message, the context, the historical content surrounding this that would help us to make sure that we're not even accidentally misinterpreting something and uh, not maybe overanalyzing in an, again, accidental wrong direction. So, um, and, you know, even a lighter, shorter Bible study can be spot on, but it's uh, doesn't necessitate going into some of that to be careful that we're drawing into um, the backdrop that is is right there. I, I've always sought to be theologically spot on, but I am in, in more recent times here, my last two studies especially, I've really engaged with other resources, more research, more interviews. Uh, that's where it has changed. Um, so now I'm gonna flip side, where has it not changed? 
Earlier I mentioned the use of the word picture, the analogy, I love that. One more way that it has not changed is that it almost always begins in face-to-face -face ministry. I call it field testing, for lack of a better phrase, that, wow, I've been out there with this beautiful opportunity to share, and the, the women in my midst minister to me as much as I to them. They provide content in ways they don't even know. And that prior to taking it to the depth that a, that a book requires is a beautiful starting place for me. So it begins with face-to-face uh, -face ministry, and that was and still is true. I love how whichever style of writing you're doing, every page points the reader to Jesus. Whether name, name your book that you've written, every page points the reader to Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's where we need to have our focus. So I appreciate that about your writing. Um, and I appreciate that we can have a little fun and learn a lot while we're at it. As we start to wrap up, you always leave us with a challenge. What's our challenge today? Why did I not think of this ahead of time? You should know this by now. <laughs> what is our challenge? So perspective is, is huge. And I've been, you know, maybe this is right on point with what I may have gone with if you'd asked me this question a couple days ago, but it's really on my heart right now. The perspective is, makes such a difference in our days. What's my perspective going into what, um, what I'm going to face that only the Lord knows that I don't yet know today, tomorrow, in the coming week. Uh, we know that life is full of storms. And I've stressed that ad nauseum during our talk today. Yes. Do I go about gloomy gust style saying, oh, woe is me. I'm just going to face another storm or I continue to ride out this storm or when will it end? May we recognize in the midst of life that yes, what it be it full of storm, God meets us right there in Christ Jesus, that our perspective would be one of expectancy, that it would be one where we recognize God is in our midst, that he is our strength, he goes before us, he walks beside us, that I, that I would challenge each listener today that as you ponder that very verse, be still and know that I am God. I am God. We don't go it alone. We, we follow his lead as followers of Jesus, the one who is the fulfillment of this verse, of all of scripture. Um, that as we ponder our, in, in our walk, so many people around me today have have uh, understandably said they're weary and they're they're weary of what's you know what's next and what's happening around them in our nation as we continue to slog through covid that instead of putting our eyes on that that's the distraction in the world around us that we would look to Christ as we as we maybe take a a, a quick peek at Peter out on the water with Jesus the storm is raging. Jesus is walking toward Peter on the water. And Peter says, Lord, let me come out and meet you on the water. His eyes are on the Lord. And the Lord does the impossible through him. But when he takes his eyes off the Lord, he sees the, you know, the obvious impossibility of his situation. So where are your eyes today, Elizabeth? Where are our eyes? Are they on the Lord or the impossible situation? 
May we see the storm in light of the one who is Lord of the storm, Lord of every circumstance. And, you know, when he says, be still and know, it's not a heavy-handed command. It's a beautiful invitation to come alongside him, to rest in his strength. The, the literal translation is not, ah, be still, and you hear birds chirping. It is stop, as, in, as if to say, you don't need to worry. You don't need to strive. Rest in me. I am God of the universe. I have you in my grip. Be still and know that I am God. What a great message for all of our listeners. Um, I know it always helps me to hear it. It's good to be reminded. So thank you for that reminder to keep our eyes on the one who has power over even every storm that we face. Every, Listener, every single storm. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Deb's new Bible study, Be Still and Know, Jesus, Our Refuge in the Storm, visit cph.org backslash be still. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well so that you can go explore the study, download a sample um, and check it out. Deb, it's always fun to have you on. I love being your guest. You are the most amazing <laughs> pod- listeners, the most amazing podcast host oh, here ever. Oh, no, it's, it's, all for, it's all about the guests. And it's all for the glory of God. It is all to the glory of God. So, Deb, we will see you again um, on a future episode, I'm sure. Looking forward to the book releasing. And listeners, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Concordia Publishing House podcast. I pray that this time was valuable to your walk with Christ. We'd love to connect with listeners on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Concordia Pub. Visit cph.org for more resources to grow deeper in the gospel.